Tune in. Tune in. Tune in. It's the power of the game. It's the power of the game. It's the power of the game podcast by Golf Saudi. A warm welcome to another episode of the Power of the Game podcast with myself, Robbie Greenfield. My guest in today's episode is John Holmes. He's the president of Atlas Turf International, a company that he founded back in 2011. Atlas Turf International, leaders in their field based over in the US. They've shipped to over 60 countries and they have become specialists in sports turf, particularly when it comes to golf and the huge advancements that have been made when it comes to playing surfaces, when it comes to grass species and the refinement of those playing surfaces, particularly when it comes to environmental concerns as well. John has been at the forefront of all those fields and he's working very closely with Golf Saudi. In fact, Atlas Turf International have partnered with Golf Saudi to actually build an Atlas Turf farm in Saudi Arabia, which is gonna be a huge driver of this, this goal to create a more sustainable future for Saudi Arabian golf as we move towards Vision 2030. So I was fascinated to catch up with John. What he doesn't know about turf and grass species when it pertains to golf and sport in general isn't worth knowing about. And I did have to ask him how he got started. What was his background in the game of golf? He had this to say. My father took me out to our home club, um, gave me a set of uh, cut off golf clubs and let me hit golf balls with him. And uh, I'm still a member of that club today here in LaGrange, Georgia Highland Country Club. Um, and, you know, as I continued to grow up, I was that kid that my mother would uh, drop me off in the mornings in the summer and pick me up in the evenings for dinner and I'd play golf all day. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't turn out as a career as a professional golfer, but it, it, it has certainly uh, taken me to some unique places. That's yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And uh, as a man, I was always curious to ask you this question, because as a man who's become an expert in the field of, of, of turf management when it comes to golf courses, which course that you have played, John, has, has the best playing surfaces, in your opinion? Well, Boy, you're, you're putting me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> Straight off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, no that's Wait. okay. No, I, you know, I've been fortunate, Robbie, to play golf course, great golf courses uh, around the world. And, um, um, you know, what always astounds me is when I travel and go to some really remote location and they have ter great turf conditions without the resources that, you know, the higher end clubs have. I remember 30 years ago traveling to the Dominican Republic and playing the famous Teeth of the Dog golf course. And just, and I was a golf, young golf course superintendent at that point in time and knowing they didn't have the resources, but they were phenomenal turf conditions. So I, I have been fortunate to play many of the world's great golf courses and, and it'd be hard to just pick one. Of course. Honest. And listen, everyone has, it's, it's quite subjective, isn't it? Because some people like the bouncy, firm kind of link style course. Some people like that soft kind of uh, perhaps more traditionally American Parkland style golf course. Um, is, is there a, a kind of a style that you think is, is the superior style, John? When you, uh, when, you, when you embark on a golf course project, what, what, what are your kind of sensitivities towards the, the, the environment? in that particular region and, and how the turf would best complement that? Yeah, we, we always work closely with the golf course architect to try to achieve his, his goals for the golf course. Obviously, he's designing it, but how that golf course plays um, and, and presents itself for the golfer, we, we try to um, achieve those goals for, for him. 
Right. Okay. And how did this, this all start for you, uh, John? Because I know um, you spent some time at, at Jennings Turf International and then you, you embarked on your own with, with uh, I think it was back in 2011 with Atlas Turf International. Uh, is, that, is, that, is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, really it started with, with the Great Recession. I was, I was running a business uh, very similar um, to, to what I do. Um, and the, the people I was working for, they wanted out of the business. So I bought the business from them and, and, and really put a, had a goal to obtain the best turf grasses in the world. And no matter where a golf course was being built or remodeled, I wanted those golf courses to have access to the best. And so, um, you know, I started Atlas Turf. I put together a portfolio of what I considered the best turf grass varieties. My wife left her job to help me run the business, and we started from there. So. Wow. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. And it's, it, it was a, an incredibly ambitious target, right? Because I think you've uh... – You've had different types of clients in around 60 countries, if I'm not mistaken, John. Yeah, you, you've, you've supplied all of them from your base in the U.S. We, we, we have. And, uh, you know, one of the exciting things that we're doing now in, in Saudi Arabia in conjunction with Golf Saudi uh, as, as a true partner, uh, we're putting in a, the, a first certified turf farm in Saudi Arabia. I've heard of this, the Atlas Turf Farm. Talk to me about yeah. it. What, what, what exactly is this going to look like? And, uh, and, and how is it going to benefit Gulf Saudi? Because obviously the, the, the tradition has been to import the turf, hasn't it? Right. Well, it's, uh, you know, the, the benefit is really for Saudi Arabia and then and ultimately to the, the, the around the Gulf region, uh, whether it's uh, golf or athletic fields. But uh, yeah, so we, we've got a clean slate. And as you can imagine, with Golf Saudi, you've, you've been around these, these wonderful people. The, the bar is set very high. And mm. so we're, we're going to create the, the, we are in the process of creating the world's first geo certified turf farm. Um, sustainability is one of the top goals of the turf farm. And it will have the latest and greatest turf grass varieties to meet the uh, conditions in Saudi Arabia and meet the expectations of the golfers and the golf course architects that uh, that that will eventually be involved in these massive projects. Another of our guests on this podcast, actually, John, is Jonathan Smith from from Geo. Are you mm -hmm. working with them quite closely in conjunction with this project? Hand in hand. Yeah, we uh, we are. Uh, Geo is a wonderful organization, and and they have really put together a wonderful platform globally for golf courses, and uh, they they have worked with us to help us navigate some of the unique challenges here in in Saudi Arabia, for sure. Give give us a, a kind of overall wider picture, if you can, John, about how the the industry has changed in the last. 20 years. I mean, I, I've lived in the Middle East for 15. And when I arrived here, the, uh, the paspalum grasses that are, that are probably the most popular grass variant now here mm -hmm. in the Middle East were quite new. I think the Faldo course at Emirates Golf Club was the first course to use paspalum grass. That was back in 2006. And I, from my own observation, the grass has, has become a lot more refined in the last 20 or so years. Is, is that 
Is that science-based? Is that advances made in technology? Uh, for me, my own observation is that the playing surfaces that Paspalum can offer now are, are almost as good, if not as good, as, as some of the other more popular, traditionally popular grasses. Yeah, so there, with all the warm season varieties, uh, Paspalum, Bermuda grass, and even Zoysia grass, there, there has been a, a movement with plant breeders who design, if you will, um, new varieties. And, um, you know, their, their holy grail as developers of turf grass is to create the, the, a plant that uses less water, less fertilizers, more disease tolerance, and provides a great plane surface. And so um, we've taken the best of uh, what I was talking about earlier, the best of the best, and, and, and brought them into our portfolio. So the older varieties that you see in the, in the Gulf region of Paspalum, for example, have transitioned to the newer varieties, the, the Platinum TE and the Pure Dynasty that's planted there at Royal Greens this week that the the um, professionals are playing on. Um, yeah, so the bar gets kept setting higher and higher for the quality of these turf grasses. Uh, are you surprised that Paspalum, I mean, probably 15 years ago, you, you probably couldn't have hosted a professional tournament with Paspalum grass. Is that, is that a fair comment? Um, you know, the, the, the putting greens, um, managing the putting greens in these newer Paspalums have really allowed green speeds to creep up there and be as good as um, the ultra dwarf Bermuda grasses and even you know, bent grass, for example. So yeah, uh, we've come a long way. That's for sure. You certainly have come a long way. And how much of that is, uh, is done in the lab, John? I mean, I, I don't know too much about this, but in terms of the kind of genetics of, of the grass and the advancements that are, that are being made, um, do you have partners that you work very closely with in that, in that respect? And, and are, and are advances continuing to be made in these grass species? Yeah. So on this, we, we, we have partners in Oregon, pure seed. Um, we jointly own a company together that is in the seed business and they have a full lab and they're constantly breeding and introducing new turf grass varieties that flow through our, our business. So yeah, that, uh, the genetics are start in a lab. That's for sure. When it comes to seed for, for vegetative grass, grass that produces a seed, but it's not viable platinum TE past palum being an example of that. Uh, the breeding really takes place outside, but, um, there are major universities who have plant breeders that all they do is focus on breeding new types of turf grass. And in terms of sustainability, which you mentioned earlier, John, um, that, that has become a, a more important, it would seem to me, a, a much more important kind of uh, focal point for these new course developments that, that, you know, when you see a press release drop and, you know, it's, it's all about native grasses and, and, a sustain, and an environmentally sustainable golf course. How has working in this industry changed for you in that regard over the last sort of 15 years or so? Sure. There's not a project, a new project that starts up or even a, a renovation of an existing golf course where sustainability is not in the forefront. Um, you know, it starts with the, the, the owner and then the golf course architect and what their desires are to use less water and less inputs. And so it cre does create a challenge for us to match uh, 
turf grass varieties to the environments that they're, you know, going to be designing and building in. Uh, yeah. Is, is, is there an acceptance that um, with these concerns becoming much more at the forefront that uh, aesthetics and, and playing surfaces, there will have to be some level of sacrifice made or, or is the goal to not sacrifice the playing surfaces, the aesthetics when it comes to being environmentally conscious? Yeah, there, there's no reason that you, you can't be environmentally friendly at the cost of the quality of the turf grass. You know, um, the, the trend right now and going forward is to use less turf grass um, in, in a golf design. Again, the, the, the courses you're going to see built there in Saudi Arabia, they'll have very small turf footprints. You'll use less water, less inputs, but, but the good turf grasses will be available and the maintenance levels will be there to provide great quality services. So you're really achieving both those goals. Right. Okay. So it's, I, I see what you mean now. So it's, when you say native areas, that means if it's, if it's a Saudi Arabian desert, then that desert encroaches more onto the golf course. If it's a woodland area, you're, you're just, it's less disturbance because you're, you're just you're, you're, you're just creating a smaller playing field. And actually, if you love your golf aesthetics and your golf design, that, that to me would seem to lend itself towards more aesthetically pleasing golf designs as well. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, gone, um, gone, are, the, gone are the days of these massive amount of turf grass all over the place. Was, was, that, was that when the American golf course boom happened? I mean, years, decades ago now. Was, was that the trend then to kind of reduce these huge playing surfaces. Yeah. And, and, and just surfaces outside of the window of golf, uh, really real estate driven, uh, people, you know, want to look out of their window of their home and see green grass, no matter how far away the golf hole is. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a trend in the United States now taking out large areas of turf grass and replacing it with more sustainable plants where, you know, less water is used, more, mowing is less. So, yeah. Can you walk us through, John, your, your process when you, you work, you start working with a, a new client, for example, um, can you kind of explain the, the, the sort of the step-by-step -step process that you arrive to that point where you're, you know, you're, you find for them the grass that is going to fit the turf conditions that are they're going to fit, fit their desires and, and their budget and their, and their kind of aspirations for their own project. Sure. Yeah, we start with the golf course architect and their and their plan, and again their their desire for how the golf course is, is going to play, and then we we take a look at the climate. Um, you know, what is what's what are the temperatures? What's the cloud cover? How much rainfall do they get? Uh, we ask about their water and soil quality. Um, we 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 try to find out what are their plans? How much golf will be played? on the golf course once it's been open for, for a few years. Um, we ask about their maintenance budget. How much money are they going to dedicate to maintaining the golf course? Those are all questions that we ask to come up, you know, for what we will recommend uh, that they plant on their, on their golf course. You've um, I think, uh, was it Saudi at beach golf club down in Abu Dhabi that, uh, that you guys work with? quite extensively. Yeah. I think that that opened uh, about a decade, just over a decade ago, actually. Uh, fantastic, incredible golf course down it there. It is. 
yep. in the UAE. It's 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 stunning. So I suppose that experience would come in useful, uh, having worked in that part of the world when it comes to advising on on the best options for golf courses in in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it's it's interesting you bring that up, Robbie. Yeah, and it, it, it is just a wonderful golf course, and um, oh, I love you know, it. The, yeah, and the, and the staff and Troon, they do a wonderful job there. And one of the, one of the interesting things that has happened there, and, and, and this is, you know, one of the interesting things and neat things about our company, we provided the initial turf grass for that golf course. As Abu Dhabi and Sadiat continue to get built out, the water quality that Sadiat was using changed from a good clean water to a more salty type water they're using for their irrigation. And they're now transitioning uh, from their Bermuda grass to, uh, to Pats Palom. And we've been able to provide them with the uh, turf grass or seeded turf grass to, to manage that process while not affecting uh, the play of, of the golf course. So, Interesting. Yeah. That, that is. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's, but, but I mean, Paspalum has, is that now easily the most popular option for courses in the Middle East because of its, uh, its tolerance to that, that salient water? It, it, it really is. And, it, and as you're seeing all this infrastructure go in, in the Middle East, uh, throughout the Gulf region, as People move in as buildings go up. You're creating uh, uh, massive amounts of gray water that has to be treated and, and, and dealt with in an, an environmentally sensitive way. And green space is the first place municipalities look for 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 getting rid of this watershed, if you will. So, um, you know, Paspalum will handle the gray water, the salty water, um, the from these municipalities better than any other turf grass. So that's one of the reasons you see it uh, used so so prevalently in, in the Middle East. John, when did you first start having conversations with, with Gulf Saudi? Obviously, they've. Uh, I think Gulf Saudi itself as, a, as an organization was founded, uh, I think, if memory serves, either 20, 2018, I think it was. Might have been 2017, so we'll have to double-check mm. that. But it's obviously recent. It's, it's in the last couple of years, and... and you know, from from where I look at it, it's an extremely ambitious uh, project that they've they've undertaken. That the five pillars that they've got, it's it's a top to bottom kind of golfing development program that isn't just about the Saudi International at uh, the Royal Greens Golf Club. It's not just about you know uh, more academies or it's it's everything. It's it's mm-hmm. entertainment, it's facilities, it's tourism, it's. It's such a massive scope to the project. So, so when they st- approached you, or when you first started having conversations with them, uh, what was the kind of uh, the main thrust of it? And kind of, can you can you detail for us those initial uh, conversations? Sure, sure, happy to. It's a great story. Um, Ed Edwards, who's the CEO of Golf Saudi, he and I, Ed and I, collaborated on some other projects in the in the Middle East prior to him joining Golf Saudi, and when he was. Uh, when he was brought on as the CEO, I reached out to him to congratulate him and, and shared a vision that I had for the Middle East, knowing that there was this potential coming in, in, in Saudi. And, and he turned right around and shared the vision of Gulf Saudi with me. And we realized immediately there was a parallel vision to, uh, you know, create a, uh, a 
chain, a logistics chain of turf grass to feed all these projects in an environmentally sustainable way and, and train Saudi nationals at this facility, this turf farm that we're putting in, uh, not only on how to operate a turf farm, but turf grass management. So it, it really just blossomed uh, from, from there. Wow. Yeah, so I guess what you what you decided was equally as ambitious as as the plans that they had laid out themselves. Uh, what what was the reaction from uh, the leadership within within Gulf Saudi? Obviously, you had that that relationship with Ed, but were you impressed with with the likes of His Excellency and, and Majid Al Saror as well? Yeah, His His Excellency and, and Majid, uh, they're just incredible people, and you know their their ambition is. Um, nothing like I've ever seen anywhere in the world in, in, in all of my travels. And um, they've been very forthcoming on what they want and the deliverables. And, and we're certainly going to uh, do everything we can to, to meet their goals. That's for sure. They're true visionaries. Let, let's break this turf farm down if we, if we can, John. H- how many different types of grasses is it going to be housing uh, will it be supplying all of the golf course projects in, in the region? You might have read recently, I think in the last couple of days, that there will be a Jack Nicholas signature course at, at Kadir, which is tremendously exciting. The, uh, the, the renderings, the artist impression of what that golf course is going to look like is, is sensational. I mean, the, the, the landscape there is, is incredible. The, the, the fact that there's going to be this verdant golf course set against the backdrop of these, these very very unique cliff formations is, is an amazing, amazing uh, concept. Um, what will this turf farm, what role will that play in, in all the, the projects, all, all number of projects that are going to be taking place in the kingdom? Yeah, we're, we're excited about Kadia and Deriagate and all the, the giga projects that are, that are going to come online. Our turf farm is actually about 15 kilometers from the Kadia site. So oh, I, is it? I, I, yeah, I know it, I know it well. So, um, you know, in, in the warm season turf grass world, you have Paspalum, Bermuda grass, and Zoysia grass. And we're going to have all three species planted at the, the turf farm. And, and the turf farm would be built out to meet the demands of these projects. Not every golf course will be uh, have platinum on it so um, or, or Paspalum on it, excuse me. So uh, we're, we're going to be very nimble and um, be able to supply everyone's needs there for sure. And another component of that farm is going to be a research center. Um, you know, we're going to bring in the best plant breeders to look at the specific environments here, the, the micro environments in Saudi Arabia to hopefully create new turf grass varieties that um, will enrich the, the golf experience in the, in the Gulf region. So yeah, so those are some ambitious plans. That's for sure. It's, it's brilliant. It's do do designers have? Uh, I mean, they they obviously have their personal pre- pre- preferences and their personal favorites. But are they usually, in your experience, quite open to using whatever grass is recommended by either yourselves or or uh, experts on the ground? Yeah, you know, we we we've done good. We've uh, you know we stand by what we recommend, and we've really put a lot of thought when we sit down with an architect about what what the project is about. We we went over that a few minutes ago, and so you know we we built a trust level um, with golf course architects around the around the world. Um, you know, there's no 
one size fit all for turf grasses and, and every environment's unique. So we try to help them make the best decisions possible with what they can get their hands on. Do you look at some of the other kind of native plants around, around the sort of native areas of the golf course, John, is that, is that a concern of yours or is it just focused on the playing surfaces? You know, we, in, in certain parts of the world, we collaborate with the developer and um, help them find native grasses that will work in their environments and, and again, meet the design goals as something that is very unique here in, in, in Saudi. There's some beautiful native plants and, and what these projects are doing, they're going out before the golf courses are disturbed and selecting native plants, taking them back to nurseries, growing those native plants out and then replacing them back in the golf course corridors after the golf course has been built. So there, there is a um, big effort being made to uh, keep a lot of the native plants that are existing on these properties, uh, not only alive, but replacing them and creating habitats that were not there before. I mean, you've, you know, in Saudi, when you get out in these deserts, you're seeing these African junipers and these desert rose plants and these acacia trees, and they're just gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a, that's an important part. You you don't want uh, something that, that that doesn't look that looks alien to the environment. You want that you want that very authentic Arabian feel to to be part of a golf course experience in in the kingdom, right? That would only make sense. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's a uh, again, it's just this whole process that is being put in place to build these golf courses. They really haven't missed a beat when it comes to things just like this and then making sure the environment, whatever's disturbed is put back properly. Have you ever worked with a country who's had a similar project as, as this one? Is this, is this a little unprecedented in your field, John? It, it, it is. There's, there's, I've never seen anything like it and we may never see anything like it again. I mean, it is just, it's truly special. That's for sure. Wow. Okay. That's, that's, I'm sure they'll be delighted to hear that from you. Um, what, what do the next sort of five or six years look like for, for both Atlas Turf International and, and the industry as well? I, I mean, what, what trends are we headed in the direction of? And obviously as it pertains to, to Golf Saudi, trying to become a, a real leader in the field of, of, of turf management as well. Yeah. I, to answer your first question, one of the, ambitions with golf Saudi is just growing the game within Saudi Arabia. But that's, that's a, that's a global um, ambition. Every, every country uh, that has golf as part of their um, economy uh, knows that there's a need to continue to grow the game. Um, I'm, I'm a big champion of uh, bringing more uh, females into uh, golf um, I think that is a catalyst for that. Golf Saudi has uh, adopted that, bringing the younger people in. Um, so, you know, that, that is a trend beyond the scope of turf grass just for, 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 for golf. Um, you know, and, and the environmental, the sustainability component, you're seeing that, those trends globally as well. Um, and, and making golf more accessible and more affordable. So you, you, you tie turf into that too. And, you know, there's, 
not every golf course that gets built uh, has the budgets that some of these giga projects will have. Yeah. So we, so we have to really match up turf grasses that um, fit every budget. And it really comes down to not really the cost of the turf, but the cost of the maintenance of the, the, the turf and what those long-term um, um, costs are for, for developers. So we're, we're, again, constantly looking for these turf grasses that can fit every niche. What does the the future for the U.S. look like, John? Is that um, is is the, is is golf course development in the U.S. still moving on at a pace? Have things slowed down a lot? Uh, what kind of uh, what kind of picture are you witnessing over in, in the states? You know, we 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 certainly hit a lull uh, over the past uh, few years. Really, when the 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 recession started in two thousand and nine, um, you're, you're starting to see an uptick in new golf courses here in the U.S. Uh, the majority of them are real estate-based uh, golf courses. Um, but you're also seeing some really neat golf courses, private golf courses that are, are starting to be built as well. Certainly not at the, the pace that we saw in the uh, uh, late 80s and early 90s, but, but it is picking back up. Well, it sounds like the future is good. It certainly sounds like the future for, for Saudi Arabia uh, is very bright. Um, you know, having lived in the Middle East for 15 years, uh, I never expected that, that this would happen. And yet it's happening kind of before our eyes. So every time I go over there, and I'm sure it's the same for you, something else surprising has popped up and another announcement has been made. And it's somewhere where things are happening at a huge pace. So I'm sure you, like many others, are going to be very excited to be a part of that, John. Well, we, we, we are excited about the growth. Uh, we're excited to be closer to the growth as well. Um, you know, being able to, again, have a supply chain uh, closer to the market is not only more environmentally um, friendly, but um, it, it is, allows us to be closer to our customer base as well. Thank you so much. I, I look forward to catching up with you soon over hopefully in the, in the kingdom. Yep. Robbie, my pleasure. And maybe we can uh, find a round of golf together. I would love to do that. It's fantastic, yeah. John. Thanks so much for having, having right. you on and uh, sure. we'll catch up soon. Okay. Take care. A big thank you to John Holmes, the president of Atlas Turf International for sparing his time to join us on this edition of the Power of the Game podcast. More episodes are in the pipeline. If you'd like to find out which guests are going to be appearing and how you can tune in for future episodes, please do subscribe to the podcast. We'd love to have your company on future episodes as we speak to a wide range of stakeholders who are all playing a huge role in the development of golf in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. You can follow Golf Saudi on golfsaudi.com. You can follow their social media handles at golf underscore Saudi on Instagram and Twitter. And do join us for another episode of the Power of the Game podcast. Until then, we'll catch you next time.